going to leave different from the way that we came in. I think we'll just jump straight into the word today. I was uh, talking with Sally and he's been uh, walking us through Ruth. And I said, uh, should I stay in this vein? And he said, yes, stay in this vein because God's not done. I said, yes, sir. So we're going to learn about Ruth today. It's not as if you've never heard about this before. It's in the air. But I think what God is doing in this message that God's been bringing is he's pinpointing us as a church where we are at. Because the life of Ruth, when God brings it repeatedly in this way, it's not just a teaching. It's an assignment from the Lord. It's a season. It's capturing the, the spirit that's in the air and bringing it down. And we are in a season of Ruth. If you remember or if you've been following, I've been talking uh, for a while. The Lord really put this in my heart that we are in an unusual season of the flooding of a heavy shift in currency, shift in tail and head, flipping upside down like when the children of Israel plundered the Egyptians. They didn't just come out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt with the plunder. And with that plunder, they built the house of God. It takes resources to build the house of God, amen. It doesn't just come up by itself. In fact, we are discipled by the ones who control the finances. Government, education, entertainment, all of these things at the end of the day, they are shaped by finances by economics and we go to those schools we are governed by those policies we watch those films and our minds are shaped so it's not the best ideas that disciple us it's the best funded ideas whether they are good or not amen so uh, um, it's important that the children of God um, don't just have a good message but have a good financial backing to take that message to the world so that righteousness and justice will become the standard in Africa instead of tribalism and corruption. Amen. And I believe that's what God is uh, preparing us for. And we know this in Africa very well. There's other governments that come. I'm not going to say who or which one, but it's just common policy. They bring their, their business proposal to our heads of government and ministers and they also bring a nice briefcase of toys yeah, to just make sure that that deal gets pushed through. We are discipled accordingly. Don't look at me like that. You know it's true. Okay? So, so the only reason we cannot promote what we believe to be the best for Africa is because we are not the head, we are the tail. We are not above, but we are beneath. And God is bringing a shift for the sake of his own name, God is bringing a shift. Some of you might have even caught this in the spirit. It's in the air. A shift that took the children out of Egypt, not just coming up, but with the wealth and the plunder of Egypt in their hand. Because God's kingdom will be established. God's kingdom will come. It will be on earth as it is in heaven. I know we're living in the end times and there's a lot of crazy things happening and people are looking at the signs and connecting the dots, myself too. But there's one end time prophecy that's my favorite that I believe also has to happen in the last days and that's Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 says that in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among all the mountains and all nations will stream to it. In other words, the house of the temple of the Lord will not be at the bottom. It will be on the mountain. It will be at the top. Hallelujah. And this will happen in the last days. And I'm feeling it's about that time. 
I'm smelling something about time for the temple of God to be the standard. And we will not go to nations to learn from them. Nations will come to us to learn from us. We will teach them justice. We will teach them love and mercy. We will teach them how to love the neighbor. You know, we are the only people who know how to love neighbor. At least we're supposed to be. When there's a fight in the church, when people can't get along, we've completely missed our assignment. We might as well shut the doors because we're no longer operating in God's kingdom. We are now officially running a business. The devil is a liar. His mother-in-law is a liar too. Someone used to say the devil and his mother-in-law are a liar. I didn't know the devil was married, but if he is, they're all a liar in Jesus' name. So we're going to look at some things from the book of Ruth because see what happened in Ruth. See, I've been teaching about this. Some of you who've been around, you've been hearing this message. Just it's it's a prophetic word. If the shoe fits, wear it. It's your time. It's time for us to stop being good painters on the bottom. Amen. Now we from good painters on the top. This is see, I've been sharing this, but Saleh came with this word about Ruth. And Ruth so powerful because if you study the life of Ruth, that's exactly what happened to Ruth. She was gleaning in the field, meaning she was at the bottom of the field. Gleaning is what people, not just people who, 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 uh, who harvest the field. Those are, that's one level in the field. But then there's the gleaners of the field. The gleaners of the fields are the ones that's at the very bottom, the poor, the forgotten. The Bible instructed, uh, God instructed his people, when you harvest, leave the edges Don't harvest all the way to the edges. Leave those gleanings for the poor people. Ruth was a poor person in the field. That's where she started. She was at the bottom. But by the time her story was finished, she was the owner of the field. Amen. And that's what's happening to the people of God in this season. Hallelujah. We've had a good gospel, a good message, a good strategy, but we've been at the bottom. But now shift is coming for the people of God. I said shift is coming to the people of God. It's our time. This is not my word. This is what I've heard from the Spirit of God. And my job is not to give you good ideas. My job when I stand here is to share what I've heard from the Spirit of God. And the time is now. Some of you are already experiencing the little trickling coming in. It's starting. Things are, the the clouds are, are, are heavy and it's a little bit starting to spit out that good. Come on, somebody. It's time. Amen. So, so uh, what I wanted to do today is continue in the vein of what Saleh has been working on. We're going to look at something from the book of Ruth that I felt was important. And uh, I was kind of blessed by this idea. I want us to go to the book of Ruth chapter 1. I think Saleh was in this neighborhood. Um, and uh, we're going to stay, stay in that vein. Amen. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to read verses 8 to 16. Ruth chapter 1, verses 8 to 16. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you and to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? 
Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Praise the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, teach us something today. I pray we live different from the way that we came. I pray for your anointing on my mouth and your anointing on the ear to hear. And I give you advanced praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you notice the argument that Naomi and Ruth were having, um, and if you look closely, you will find that Naomi's concern is that her daughters-in-law, because their husbands died, you you understand the story, they all left Bethlehem in the time of famine, they went to Moab, while they were in Moab, everything went from bad to worse, everybody's husbands died. Naomi's husband died, Ruth's, Orpah's, they all died, everyone died. Naomi heard that there's now bread in Bethlehem and they start going back. But Naomi gets this idea, says, don't come back with me because my life has become very bitter. You don't want to hang out with this woman. Go back and find some husbands for yourselves. Find rest in the home of good husbands because there's no hope for having husbands over there. Even if I were to marry today as an old woman and have children, would you wait until the children are old so that you can marry them? And then, no, 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 girls, Husband, And I noticed that her whole argument was focused on this issue of husbands. It wasn't focused on opportunity, a good job, improving your career. Husbands. There's no husbands here. So go there where there's husbands. And all the single ladies said... Um, and uh, I remember some teaching that I, I took in my classes. You know, in, in, in uh, biblical times, both Old and New Testament, we see this idea that uh, everything is driven by this culture. And actually, it's very similar in third world countries, especially, I know it's true, in this country and in many countries in Africa, there is this uh, uh, pendulum swing from honor and shame. Nobody wants shame. You live your life to avoid shame and you live your life to gain honor. All right? Everything is about honor. We live for honor. In the, in the, in the biblical times, okay, um, for a woman in particular, now this is not the case now, but in biblical times, honor came for women through having children. So 
if you get, so what Naomi is basically saying is, if you get a husband, then you will have children. And if you have children, then you will gain honor. And the whole point is honor anyway. Right? Now, I must make a, a preface that in today's society, this is very much not the case. Okay? We live in a different society, different times. Uh, there is a certain measure of honor with children, but it's not like biblical times. We take honor today from different things, like Instagram selfies. <laughs> hmm? And how many followers you have. That's where your glory lies today. Or if you're in Ethiopian culture, your glory comes from what your, uh, your children studied in school. <laughs> yeah. Every Ethiopian parent, and you know it's true, eh? you push your, you torture your kids to make sure that they're a doctor or an engineer. But it's not really, the, you're not really concerned in your kids helping people get better or for greater buildings and engineering feats to be achieved. That's not your, that's not your goal when you're pushing your kids to, to get an engineering degree. Your goal is you want somebody to ask you, so what do your kids do? You're just waiting for that cue so that you say, oh. <clears throat> there is some honor that comes to you by way of the fact that your kid, you know it's true. Yeah, that's why you put graduation post pictures of your kids on your wall at home. It's funny how we live. So the standards of honor are different, but in biblical times, if you are a woman, okay, husband is imperative because through a husband comes children and through children comes honor. So the life is bent towards gaining honor. Are you following what I'm saying? We see this in, the, in many, many cases in the scriptures. For example, if you remember, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, they were sisters, but they were fighting each other because Leah had many children and Rachel could not have children. And Rachel was so frustrated. Like in today, who says, if you can't have children, you can't have children, go get a job, work, do, you know. But back then, children, for some reason, was everything. And Rachel told her husband, give me children or else I will die. Is it really that serious? The children are not serious. The honor is serious. You see, the values that were placed on children in biblical times, it was huge because that brought glory and honor to the mother. And you just carry your children around just like we say, my, my son is a doctor. All right? Oh, this is my children. This is just nothing, my children. Just, yeah, I have quite a few of them, if you noticed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. So, so that's the motivation, okay? We see this also in the story of Hannah and Penina. There was a man named Elkanah who also had two wives. Penina had children. Hannah could not have children. And it troubled Hannah so much. It's almost like the same story as Jacob and, and uh, Rachel. It's not just a one-time event. Children equals honor. And Hannah went to the temple praying so violently, seeking the Lord because she wanted children slash honor. And, and you remember the story, okay? If you look even at the, in the New Testament, it's interesting because in Luke chapter 1, when it's telling the story of Jesus and how the story of Jesus, the, 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 the prequel to what, what was setting up the life and the ministry of Jesus, it starts not with Jesus, but it starts with Zechariah. 
in the temple. And the angel Gabriel came to him and said, you will have a child. And his immediate response was, thank you, but how can I have a child now that I am old? And, and the angel says, because you do not believe, shut your mouth. So I don't know how Zechariah in his old age romanced his wife without speaking. Somehow got her into the bed with him, hallelujah. And in her old age, Elizabeth, now the Bible says, when the Bible's testifying about Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says that in verse 7, Luke chapter 1, verse 7, that uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous and they followed the law of God blamelessly, but they had no children and they were very old. Like even the Bible puts this big but in there, meaning that this is a disadvantage to them. Why? Because to have a husband means to have children. And to have children means to have honor. But in their old age, meaning they've been waiting a long time, they could not have children. Later on, when, when, when uh, Elizabeth conceived and knew that she was pregnant, the Bible says she closed the door and she began to praise God. And notice the language that she used. She says, I praise God today because the Lord has taken away my disgrace. Other translation says, taken away my reproach. Meaning being an old woman who's married and not has children, that's a shameful thing in that culture. And God has visited me in my old age and I am no longer... Are you following what I'm saying? Again, I repeat, this is not the custom of today, today's society. But in that time, in Bible times, you don't mess with it, this issue of children. It's very serious. It's very serious. I said very serious. Are you following what I'm saying? So in light of this understanding, when you bring the story of Naomi and Ruth, it's a very interesting prospect we're looking at. Because Naomi's argument makes sense. If you follow me, you will not get a husband. Hint, hint, you will not get a child. Hint, hint, you will not have honor. In place of honor, you will have shame. So go back and find some husbands. It's a funny time, Adelem. It was a funny culture. You're all looking at me like mad at, at, at me. Like, thank God we don't live at that time. I'm just reading the Bible. Leave me alone. It's <laughs> what the Bible says. All right? Uh, so we understand that Naomi's argument, line of argument, it makes sense. But also, what it teaches us is that Ruth's position is even more amazing because Ruth, when she heard this proposition that you will not get a husband with me, and Ruth doubles down and says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay, it's telling me that Ruth was not interested in having a husband or having children or gaining honor. She was interested in something very different. Praise the name of the Lord. See, our external behavior and our external actions is always driven by an internal desire. And for everybody's internal desire and wiring, we are after some kind of honor, some kind of glory. That's what the Olympics is all about. That's what the Alamancha is all about. All right? But, but Ruth was taking that inner desire. It means when Ruth is deciding externally like this, that means her internal wiring is somehow different. It's not glory that's driving her. It's not honor that's driving her. 
You know, we're, we're funny because we follow Jesus, but what's really driving us following Jesus? We could be doing the right thing for the wrong reason. The disciples followed Jesus. They left everything to follow Jesus, but they followed him with the wrong motive. Because while they were following him, Jesus is ahead, the disciples are behind, and while they're following, they're arguing with themselves constantly as to which of them was the greatest. And we all know that Pastor Z was the greatest. The argument is settled right there. All right? But, but, but they were arguing. In fact, you remember the story, James and John had their mother go and tell Jesus, worship Jesus, and Jesus says, what can I do for you? And she says, can my sons... Sit on your right and your left when you come into your glory. Please. <laughs> and the disciples heard about this. And they were very upset. Why were they upset? That seat was my seat. Hmm? So they're all followers of Jesus. But they have funny motives in their following of Jesus. And we know that their motive was wrong. Because when Jesus was crucified... All of them disappeared to the four winds. No one knows where any of them are because they were not expecting Jesus to be crucified. They were expected Jesus to be coronated king, take over Caesar, take over the Roman Empire, and they would sit with him next to him on thrones, prepared with Jesus and 12 thrones. That was the plan. So they followed Jesus with all their heart, but with the wrong motive. How do you follow Jesus? You know how we use the words blessing, increase, favor? Should I continue? Mm? It's funny, like Ruth, Ruth saw all that, but she was after something different. And the Bible says she clung to her and she said, I will not leave you. Or, uh, uh, um, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Now it's interesting because what we see in Ruth is that she did not commit to God. She committed to Naomi. She committed herself to another person. See, many of us, we don't like people, but we love God. And we'll commit to God, but we won't commit to people because you can't trust people. Are you following what I'm saying? But see, the Bible says, how can you say, I love God who you cannot see when you hate your brother who you can see? Meaning there is a direct correlation between your relationship with your neighbor, with your, with your leadership, with your family, with your loved ones, with your home care group. How you treat them is an expression of how you treat the unseen God. You cannot separate the two. So you can't say, I love God and kick your neighbor. You're not loving God. That means that to the degree that Ruth gave herself to Naomi, she was actually giving herself to God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now this is the funny thing. It would be much easier to connect and cling to somebody who was a little bit younger uh, a little bit more stylish, had a little bit more charisma and personality. You know, you know what we go after in, in the body of Christ? 
I mean, today, if the poster went out, so-and-so is coming to town with, and the latest album, CD release, party, concert, hallelujah program. Come to the program. Support the ministry. And you see the poster, and your heart is drawn. Naomi had no poster. (laughs) Naomi had no TV commercial with lights and everything. Come get your blessing. Naomi had absolutely nothing to offer. Why? Because number one, she's old. Number two, she's old and broke. She doesn't have a penny to her name. When they got to Bethlehem, uh, uh, Ruth said, let me go to the fields and glean. And she said, go, glean. Why are you gleaning? Because there's nothing to eat. (laughs) Number three, uh, Naomi is bitter. She's complaining. She said, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter because the the Lord has made me very, very bitter, full of bitterness. Bitterology. She said, call me bitter. Uh, Lastly, and this is kind of funny, but Naomi, Naomi was family. Naomi was her mother-in-law. That means they were kind of knew each other, kind of were close. This is not like it's much easier to love the televangelist from way far on the TV, because you only see the strength on the TV, and the televangelist makes sure to only put his strength on the TV. But when you get closer, you see people for who they really are, especially your mother-in-law. Now, I must admit, in my case, that this is not the, this is, I'm an exception to the rule because I'm blessed with my mother-in-law. I actually have a mother-in-love. My mother-in-love is my, really, like when when people, when we're counseling people with couples and marriage issues with in-laws, I really, I I turn that subject over to somebody else because I have no issue. My mother-in-law is my mother. I'm very blessed with my mother-in-law. Don't mess with my mother-in-law now. Hmm? But generally, what we've seen when we counsel people is the, the, the rule of thumb is when you are dealing like there is a leaving and cleaving, the two shall become one and make sure the in-laws keep the boundaries. Amen. Don't look at your whatever. Just look straight at me. Boundaries is important, you know, because because in-laws have a way of, you know, using the remote control and getting into the. Don't look at anybody. Just look straight. Okay, you know what I'm talking about then. Okay, so, so we, we try to counsel, make sure we love each other, keep boundaries. This is a new whatever, whatever. So she, my point is that Naomi and Ruth, they knew each other. And when you know somebody, another word, the, the same root word that is used for the word family and familiar. And it's hard to see the glory of God, the purposes of God in that which is familiar. It's very hard because you see the humanity. You know, Paul said, we hold this treasure in jars of clay. There is clay and there's a treasure. When you're close, you see both. And the clay, sometimes you see, you know, like, you know. Like, I work with my my parents, you all understand. And my parents are great men and women of God. But when you're close, 
You see everything. And sometimes it's hard to see the glory of God in the clay. Can I give you an example? I will not. I'm over my dead body. Gotta be kidding. Hmm? Okay, I'll give you one. Imma cannot be on time for anything. And the funny thing is she scolds people for being late when she herself has never been on time in her life. So you see the clay, but you also see the woman of God. You also see the glory that God has put in there. You also see, but it's not easy to see that when you're dealing with both. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's what makes Ruth's commitment powerful. She's not dealing with the, pe- perp- the evangelist on TV. That's easy to see the glory there. But to see the glory in her mother-in-law, while she's at her lowest, while she's broke, while she's old, but to still perceive. You see, the Bible says that the things of the Spirit, okay, the, the, the man without the Spirit of God, he cannot discern the things that come from the Spirit of God. Because they are foolishness to him. Meaning that tells me that the only way that Ruth saw some glory in Naomi or something worth throwing her honor away for is because the Spirit of God highlighted something that the outward appearance did not reflect. I learned this with my own parents. I was telling the earlier service. My parents, when I was growing up, annoyed me because they were over hyper spiritual. Wouldn't let me breathe. Would interrupt the Liverpool game to have family prayer and Bible study. The devil is... Always hallelujah, always. It was too much. And I found myself a little... I, I, let me put it in, in balance. I've respected and I love my parents, but I like to breathe as well. And especially when Atuye, Atuye is here today, when Atuye was there, when my parents were there, and when they would get in there together, you know, they start shifting those spiritual gears. I, I try to look for the exit because that spiritual drama is going to end up with hands laid on me somehow. No, you all don't understand my pain. All right? And when you're a young person growing up, you have one agenda. There is an honor that you are trying to bring unto thyself. Eh? You know, it's all about looking and appearing. You know, you're so insecure when you're young. So everything is about selfies and likes and followers. Thank God we didn't have that when I was growing up. But this was like, it was, it was hurting my image and my image that I was trying to portray. And uh, I... I, I uh, I think I've shared my testimony before. When I got out of the house, hallelujah. It's time for me to spread my wings and experiment with everything that I was not allowed to do. Because you you just, everything, you can't do it. And it raises such a huge curiosity. Like, what am I missing? Why, you know what the Bible says when uh, the introduction of sin... And the introduction of the law created every appetite in me to experiment with that sin. You should not have said, don't do that. Because now that you said, don't do it, I want to go do it. Yeah, that's how the nature of man is. 
so for one year, my first year in college, whew, we had a time. I could finally breathe. And I ended up, by the grace of God, in a town where nobody knew my parents. <laughs> and I was on assignment and I was on an agenda. Mm? And it's funny, at the end of that year, we tried this, we tried that, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I found out very quickly, you know, I, I, I had a calling on my life, kind of like Jonah. And if you have a calling on your life and you're trying to run against your purpose, God will raise up a mighty fish to swallow you and you will start thinking about things when you are in the belly of the fish. It's funny, everything I tried to do fell apart in my hands. Like, you... <laughs> You know, you, you try to pick up the ladies in the club, hey, and they just run from you. <laughs> Is that too much information? <laughs> Come on, you went to the barber shop that day, and you went and you got a new pair of, of outfits, something, and you go up and you forgot to brush your teeth. At the end of that year, I realized that God is good and the devil is bad. The people I thought were friends were phony. The people I thought I could lean on, it just, everything fell apart. Even I began to experiment with a little bit of this depression and things like that because outside of God, life is so empty and purposeless. I felt so empty. I felt so, so, it just everything like dark, dark, like without God, everything is dark. There's nothing to strive for, no purpose, no nothing. You're just a, 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 another number in the line of humanity that's just waiting for your next turn and next in line to die that's the best you have to offer for somebody who, who doesn't have God so that's when I made a decision just like Jonah did from the belly of the fish the Bible says from the belly of the fish Jonah cried out to the Lord and the Lord spit him out and I ended up in Bible school and I never looked back praise the Lord now uh, Part of my recovery is that the Lord dealt with me and he told me something. I remember he said, you're supposed to write a letter to your parents. He told me to write a letter and apologize for your bad attitude toward them. And I really fought with the Lord on this. Because in a court of law, my testimony would have greater weight. Because they turned off Liverpool to pray. There's a time and a season for everything. <laughs> this is Liverpool time. We pray. Some t Are you following what I'm saying? There's a lot of cases. It seemed unfair. But the Lord said, even though you have a case, you take the initiative and apologize. So I wrote a letter to my parents apologizing for my bad attitude. Back then, I said letter because we didn't have email back then. I'm dating myself. Okay? I wrote a letter and I sent it in, in the mail. When they got the letter... I was in university. Well, actually, I forgot to tell you, I also failed university that first year. We had a wonderful time. Um, I, I, I figured out you can arrange, you know, unlike high school, in university, you can arrange when your, your classes are. So I arranged all my classes to land on Tuesday and Thursday. Do you know why? That means you have a long holiday weekend every weekend. <laughs> Toad. Okay. Um, 
so, so I wrote the letter and I sent it to them and I, I was in the US at that time, my parents were living in Kenya and when they got the letter they called me and they started blessing me and they were so happy and they were so proud of me, of the letter that I wrote and they did not understand that I didn't want to write the letter. <laughs> I was forced to write the letter. They were so blessed, and I was saying, no, thank you, okay, and then my father's blessing, thank you, we love you, I love you too. And I said, I'm just trying to hang up, bye, ciao, bye, bye, now, now talk to your mother. No, 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 no. <laughs> and my mother's blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, thank you, thank you. They did not understand that I wanted, they, they, I, did, I was forced to do this, the Lord put it on my heart. But you know what happened, is that... Um, I, it was about two or three months after that, the Lord just shifted something in my heart. To this day, it's a bit of a mystery for me. But I found this later on in the scripture where God says, I will take out the heart of stone in Ezekiel, and I will put in heart of flesh. <laughs> and and when, when I saw that happen in me, I was the one who was amazed. Because all of a sudden I woke up and I had a desire to be with my parents that I did not have before supernatural surgery of the Holy Spirit. My, this is how I knew it was God. Not only did I want to be with Him, I could not wait till we got together to pray. And Atuye, and I went, the next person I saw was Atuye. I went to visit Atuye in South Carolina. When I saw her, I asked her to pray and she prayed and I actually enjoyed it this time. You know when your kids and your parents pray for you, it's like, You know how it is. That was my whole life. But now, you know, I was like, in, I felt like the Spirit of God. I had a compassion that I did not have before. And I realized it wasn't because, see, they're still clay. But the Spirit of God opened my eyes to see the glory in the jar of clay. And only the Spirit of God can reveal that to you. If you don't have the Spirit of God, just like Ruth, you see an old woman who's broke, who has nothing to offer, and no husbands. Hmm? But by the Spirit of God, he reflects something. And I saw that on my, on my parents. Yes, I saw the weaknesses. Yes, I saw the mistakes. They're not perfect. But I also saw how God put something of a glory in them. I could not believe, I desired to hang out. As a young man, you have to stand, as a young man, I desired to hang out with my parents more than my peers. This is something that only the Spirit of God can do. And I think that's the same thing that the Spirit of God showed in Ruth. She looked at Naomi and she did not see old woman. She looked at Naomi, she did not see broke, bitter. Eh? She saw the glory of God. She, saw, she was not looking for opportunity. She was looking for destiny. Destiny was greater than opportunity. Orpha went back because it made sense. Opportunity lies there, go where opportunity is. But Ruth threw away opportunity to pursue destiny, hallelujah. So, so when she went back, she was, you know, the, 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 the man, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the man without the Spirit of God cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. But the man who is led by the Spirit, he is, he is not to be judged because he judges all things.
Ruth went and judged all things. She understood and she lost everything for something that was foolish, but that God had revealed by his spirit. There's nothing external to reveal what's here. And she's gleaning in the field. Hallelujah. Orpah is getting married in Moab. Ruth left all the husbands and is gleaning in the field with an old woman. It looks like Orpah was the smart one and Ruth was the foolish one. But it's like the same thing. The, the, The Bible says when Joseph went to Potiphar's house, God was with him. And when Joseph went to prison, he lost everything, but God was with him. I don't care whether you are up on the mountain or in the valley. If God is with you, you are always at an advantage. So Orpah is gleaning, but she does not realize that God is with her. There is a fragrance that's coming out of her life as she's gleaning in the field. People start to notice something different about this woman because she's gleaning in the field. Everybody's gleaning, but only one, one, one person is gleaning with a fragrance. And eventually that fragrance makes its way to Boaz. And Boaz looks and says, who is that woman? This woman who was gleaning in the field, this Ruth, was the same Ruth that ended up gleaning in a field that happened to be the field of Boaz. This Ruth is the same Ruth that ended up getting favor in the eyes of Boaz and marrying Boaz, who became the owner of the field. This same Ruth was able to have children, which equals honor. And the son that she bore was named Obed. And I thought it was interesting when I read the story, when she... When she received Obed as a child, the Bible says she gave, she gave Obed to Naomi and let Naomi nurse Obed in her old age. That's a, that's a funny picture, but amen. She's nursing and everyone said Naomi has had a son. Meaning children equals honor. Ruth took her honor and said, take the honor. Let the honor go to Naomi. This Obed had a son named Jesse. And that Jesse had a son named David. And if you look at Matthew chapter 1, you will see the genealogy of of Jesus. And you will see right there in the middle, boom, Ruth, the Moabitess, Pam, forever engraved and sealed in the genealogy of Jesus. Not only that, but an entire book was dedicated in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, which endures forever. Ruth is forever embedded, a book unto herself. Praise the Lord. You know, there's only two books that's named after women in the Bible. Ruth and Esther. And both of them operate on the same principle. Praise the Lord. Meaning that what Ruth did with her life... It commanded such an attention of the heavenlies that it was firmly embedded. Her story is written for legacy generations forever to know the story of Ruth and what she did by deciding to link up not with a Bible uh, uh, book written after her name, not to fall into the genealogy of Jesus, not to end up owner of the field. Her eyes were fixed on what God showed her about Naomi. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I say this for a reason. Flood is coming. But when I say flood, I think it's important that we receive the flood in the spirit of Ruth. 
and not in the spirit of Orpah. Because it's possible, like when we say God, flood is coming, people can say amen. And it's good to say amen. God is a good God. Um, but this flood comes with a purpose. This flood comes not for your honor, but for his honor. This flood comes for not your glory, but his glory. And I think it requires a shift in preparation of the heart. I think everybody to a certain degree does not mind a little bit of honor. Um, but I believe like what God is bringing for us today is to shift, uh, shift from being opportunists in the kingdom. You know how we, we use relationships to open doors of opportunity. We do it in the business world. We spread our network and business cards. That's what business cards are all about, right? You're not really giving the card for somebody to know your name and phone number. You're hoping that this card will go somewhere, get somewhere, find somebody, and you get a call. That call will change your life forever. Let God handle your business, and you just focus on Naomi. Let God work on how and when and how the details of how he's going to bless you, how he's going to get glory. You just focus on his glory, on his name. Focus on how, where you're going to lay down your hat, lay down your honor. Because when you give to God and release things to God, you are not losing at all. Praise the Lord. Orpah went and had a husband, had children, had honor, and we don't really know what happened. I guess it was not worth writing about. <laughs> Ruth, the foolish one, who was led by the Spirit. We know exactly every detail of her life. We know the detail of her descendants. We know the detail of what came to us. We are the offspring in many ways of Ruth today. Because she was the great-grandmother of Jesus. You don't know what you're doing when you give glory to God. When you don't take glory unto yourselves. When flood comes, we use this flood for building his kingdom. We use this flood for his honor. We use this flood for his glory, for his purpose. Amen? Amen, amen? I'd like everybody to stand. I feel uh, maybe you're following Jesus like the disciples. Uh, you like the program because it's a good show. But there's personal agenda involved in your pursuit of Jesus. All right? I want to kind of dethrone that in your heart today, all right? We're not in this for opportunity. We're not in this to get advantage for ourselves. Are you following what I'm saying? So if you, if you say that's me today, I'm shifting, shifting gears. However, whichever way you want, Lord, I release my own honor today in my heart. Not my will is what Jesus said, but your will. Just lift your hand. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. The Lord will see your hand. I'll just trust the Spirit of God to do a work in your heart. Hallelujah. Even now. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray together today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father God. You have saved us from sin. For this we are eternally grateful. And I ask today that you save us from ourselves from our calculations, from our of being so opportunist, Father God. May we not be 
opportunists in your kingdom, Father God. May it be you and your glory today. Father God, I praise you and I thank you that today you are doing a surgery on each heart, Father God, by your spirit, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you would do something in them that when they wake up, they will realize something they did not see. Their eyes will be open to what they had been previously blind to. Father God, I thank you for this today. I honor you for this today. Father, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the spirit of God. Raise a standard in the heart of your sons and daughters today, Father God. When the flood comes, Father God, may we be fully prepared. May we not be caught unaware. A blessing without preparation is a curse, Father God. May we know where the glory goes. May we go where, know where the honor goes. May we know what to do with what you bring into our hands. And may you alone take all the glory. May you alone take all the honor. May you alone take all the praise. I thank you and I give you praise that is done today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. amen.